0: Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian. And this week, I'm joined here by Duane.
1: Man, Sebastian, last week was tiring, dude. That that tournament weekend was long.
0: So actually, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna restart it. i actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you another intro right at the same time because I feel like we should because it kind of speaks to the theme of the day. Bienvenido al the Soccer Podcast, donde hablamos sobre el fútbol en Delaware, el fútbol en el, otro, en el resto del mundo. Todo entremedio.
1: No sé. <laughs> no sé. Uh it's the last day of don't Hispanic Heritage. It's the, last no, day of, it's,
0: it's the last day of Hispanic Heritage Month. So I feel like uh we should uh uh wait, did I break up there for a second or no? Okay, all right. I felt like my computer just went dark for a second, so I don't know what happened. Okay. You did, but yeah, you're good. All right, perfect. So well um it's the last day of Hispanic Heritage Month, which uh we'll we will touch on uh, during our interview today with Coach Art Hernandez from Lower Marion. But uh, before that, yes, Dwayne, it was a very tiring weekend, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, six games across uh, three days and across like literally like three days.
0: 12 hours every, <laughs> in between games.
1: 12 hours in between games. My first game was at 7 o'clock Friday. My last game ended at 7 o'clock on Sunday. So
0: yeah, I mean, Duane, you may have had the craziest schedule I have seen a team have in a long time.
1: I mean, I might as well have volunteered at the tournament like the Dept Volunteers and got my admission in for free.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm, I told you you should have just tried to stay at one of those little houses.
1: I mean, I, I should have done my shift in the concession stand and said, thanks, uh, you know, we'll just take the free fee for one of my teams and just leave. Yeah, there you go. i done my little three hour shift or whatever they
0: <laughs> but shout out to shout out to uh shout out to the Deptford uh Soccer Association. Uh a fantastic tournament all around, I think. Uh we we had a really good time. We were talking to the to the the guy that takes care of the fields, the maintenance guy that uh that also coaches a couple teams um at, at Which DSA, is the two thousand nine boys, yeah, at DSA. You played against him, yeah. Um and uh he was a great guy. He was he was it was really cool to talk to him, but uh Overall, I think the everybody from the staff, even the little issues that we had, we were able to get resolved, and the staff was super friendly. It was it was really good. So shout out to uh to Mike and Jeff uh from from Deptford. uh They put on a fantastic event uh that we will for sure try to go back to.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, and
0: from a results perspective, uh, it goes. You know, uh, I, so big shout out to the twenty thirteen girls. And Coach Natalie uh, for their first tournament ever with the first tournament win.
1: No s- subs, seven no players.
0: Subs, no subs, seven players. Two playing. two
1: two players playing up an age group. Two players playing up an age group and balling out.
0: Yeah. We got to watch. I got to watch two of their games. You got to watch all three of their games. Um, They were there. They're, that group is a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, man, they got they got a goal scorer on their team.
0: Oh yeah, they do.
1: Um so we we'll, we're gonna t- puts the game away.
0: Yeah. We'll we'll talk about her in a second, but um but yeah, so the, the the 2013 girls with a with a tournament win in their bracket, 2012 girls after a uh tough tie, a tough draw in their in their first game on Saturday come off with like two really good results on Sunday to win their bracket.
1: Shout out to their warm up coach, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, last two tournaments in 2012, girls I've gone to and I've warmed the team up. They've walked out of there with some hardware, so I think you know, kind of goes to that warm up. You know, Coach Kyle day. needs
0: to. Coach Kyle needs to, uh, you know, free dinner or something,
1: right? Something right, like just warming the team up, getting them prepared. You know, there's got to be something there.
0: <laughs> um, so yeah, so so big shout out to the 2012 girls for for their tournament win. Um 2010 girls uh with a with a tournament win as well for their first or this is their second 11 v11 tournament uh playing up an age group and and they won so I was I was super happy for them they they played really well um they only gave up one goal in the entire tournament um which was which was pretty exciting uh so so good for them um and then last, Lead the 08 girls with the tournament win, not giving up a single goal the entire tournament, um, and scoring
1: 11 goals in three games. As long as you stand underneath that 18 goal threshold, threshold Yeah, rate.
0: and obviously that that was uh that was an interesting uh dynamic with with the tournament rules. Um so and then a, but I think I do think we need to we need to give a big shout out. So um out of the 10 teams that we had at the event. Um, all, but two of them, I believe at least got a, got a draw, if not a win out of their, out of the tournament. Um, majority of the teams for the most part, at least scored one goal, which was, which is a good thing. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, on the girls side, uh big shout out to the the 2011 girls for, uh, they had, they played a very competitive event, which I think for them was, was a good thing. They were something that they were looking for. Uh, so they, you know, they lost two of their games and and won their last game, which was good. Uh, both O nine 9 girls competed really well um you know the the, the apl team um win, or tying their last game um and the uh the csl team doing doing really well i watched them play for, for part of the last game and they they ended up tying the first half against the top ultimately the eventual champions of their bracket tying the first half zero zero so so giving you know putting together some really good results um 7 girls competed well um, and they ended up with a tie in their last game as well. So, so very, very happy for them.
1: Um, yeah. Oh, no, boys, you know, didn't get the results that we wanted, but they definitely uh, also play in top bracket. So it was good challenge. They game. were challenged this weekend. And, and I think they realized, you know, it's, it's, it's reachable. It's not, it's not yeah. like we're, we were playing the MLS as next teams, good. you know, that we could play at some other tournaments. They were very reachable teams that we can compete with. And ultimately we'll get there. You know, it's a, it's a process, right? yeah absolutely and those seven boys you know rebounding you know would love to go one one and one with that group this weekend but you know they rebounded well you know responded well after the first game and you know very close two very well contested matches uh you know you lose one nothing and you lose and you tie one one with the pk in the last 30 seconds so it's good yeah. good weekend for both groups
0: yeah, and then um and then under other teams that we have, we we had a couple of teams going to the Explorer Cup up in, in Downingtown. So uh both 2013 boys teams, the 2012 pre-PRCL team, 2010 boys team, and then both 2011 teams. Uh 2012 boys pre RC pre-PRCL team uh with a final, made a final. Uh lost Good. in the final to pipeline, but ultimately made a final. Um I know Soccer Dan ended up with uh with a couple of good results um as well. So so good for him. I mean, I know I know a couple of his uh his teams won and he, he had some he had some good results. Um so good for him. So ultimately everybody everybody had a good weekend, which I think is the it's what we want, right? Everybody was competitive.
1: Yeah, I mean tournaments, you know, we've been in league play for a while, but you know, tournaments give us a, a look at the next level. Yeah. Right. Like what do we like? We either challenge ourselves or we look to find some success and get some higher level teams. So it gives us a, ultimately a look at you know, where we want to be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things that we're doing, because we, we were able to record a lot of the games from, um, from the tournament this weekend, we were going to, we are, we actually going to be putting this out today. Uh, we are, we have a top five saves and top five goals of the weekend. Um, so we're going to be putting that out and we want you to vote. Okay. All of you on the audience, we want you to vote. So you're going to go to our Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Delaware union or on, in, on, on, Instagram at Delaware union soccer on Twitter at the union soccer. We're going to put that video up and you're going to go out and vote and vote for the goal of the week and the save of the week. And we are going to give out some prizes to all of the nominees, but at the same time, we're going to give out some prizes, uh, to the winners. So we're going to announce the winners next week. Next Friday, we're going to announce the winner. And hopefully every Friday, we're going to be putting out a new video of the week before. So leading up to the week.
1: You know, we want all of our players to bring out their A game. That's right. But when the VO comes out, bring your A plus game. Yeah. Like, just know when the VO comes out, you know, there's, there's some all bets are on, you know. That's right. All right. With us today,
0: uh, we are celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month, uh, and it's the last day of Hispanic Heritage Month. So I figured um, let's uh, let's bring somebody in that's actually been conducting a ton of interviews over the last month. uh, And this time I get to interview him instead of him interviewing other people. Uh, So Art Hernandez is here. Coach Art is here. He is development, the development academy director at Lower Marion Soccer Club. Uh, I mean I'm just gonna say down the street because uh we we see Lower Marion uh relatively often with our within our club. Uh Coach Hart, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh
2: appreciate you having me on.
0: Um so let's let's talk about the work that you've done uh over the last uh month with the with the United Soccer Coaches, uh Latino uh coaches advocacy group. What 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 was been what's been the the you know, the drive behind all the interviews that you've been doing?
2: So to me, to me, it's kind of like a culmination of like a year and a half of work where uh, we've been um, collaborating and working together. And a lot of the people that I actually work with in the last month two, you know, that I interviewed, right. Um, You know, they have, they're almost like repeat customers and repeat guests. Um, but it, it's only because the their, their depth of knowledge is so big. So um we like being able to not only showcase like their work, but like um, a lot of what their history is as far as with um, some of the the barriers that they've had to go through, and obviously their education process. And I think for me, being able to connect um with people of that level has been extremely beneficial, just from the sense of being able to, to you know if you can see it you can be it right so i that's always kind of been my 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 model from the beginning where i'm trying to showcase and broadcast all types of information to people that may not have it readily accessible and um and that way they can see themselves in a different light and see a different possibilities um that exist out there
0: and it's such a it's that's such a great great point i think um at times from a from a hispanic standpoint you know we and i think it, it, it to a certain extent is a cultural thing right we 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 tend to know we tend to think that we know uh it's 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 the same idea right so if you you sit you sit down with a in in very cultural very family driven uh you know you got family parties or or friend friend parties and you got 40 people just sitting around and and you're going to talk about soccer right? And everyone's got an opinion and everyone knows, everyone thinks they know exactly what their national team or what their team should be doing. Um, so everyone thinks that potentially they're a coach, right? Everybody thinks they they got the magic, they got the magic answer, but the reality is, is the majority of them are not. and, And only a few are. So do you think, um, coaching education in general for, for the Latino community has, has, do you think now it's, do you think it's, it's the, it's, um, it's developed over the last few years. It's progressed to a point where there are more Latino coaches and and Latina coaches doing coaching education because there is such a value to it in comparison to the idea that like, well, I used to play soccer or I grew up with the game. I know the game.
2: Yeah. So, so I would say, so I'm going to, so I would compare it almost to like the, almost in the eighties and nineties where I think um, there was less Latinos and Hispanics taking those courses and even less leading them, right? And now, um now obviously now that there is all oh, that almost that second and third generation of Hispanics and Latinos who understand the language, who speak English, who do truly understand it, um now can take those courses and see the value see the value in being able to to do that and progress with their careers in that in that way. You know, I think that. Um, and, and this is not only for, for, for Latinos this is in any, in any, any culture, but like, it's very difficult to like, uh, be able to take a course if you don't understand the language. Right. So, so if I go to Germany, I may know, I may be the most qualified coach, but like, if I don't speak German, it's going to be very difficult for me to comprehend their, their ideas. Right. So it's the same thing here. Right. Um, so the idea here is to first kind of sort of learn the language, um, at least at an average average, um, rate, and then uh, have an average understanding of the language and then start taking those courses. Now, if we start pushing to the 2000s and 2010s, now you have a lot more Latinos, a lot more Hispanics um, being able to take those courses and also leading them, right? Because there's a progression here. And the progression is obviously, you know, you get your A and then you become an instructor. And then, and and when you're, when you start to become an instructor, you you teach the lower level courses and then you keep moving up and up and up. Right. That's just natural progression. Um, but now, um, like as recently as this year, I had Rene Miramontes, you know, in my A license teaching it. Right. Um, and, and, and those are the kinds of things that it's like, um, that you see that progression that, you know, it's not going to happen overnight, but there's that progression where those opportunities are there. It's just the amount of work you want to put in.
0: No, absolutely. And I, I did my national youth license in New Jersey. And uh, I had the, the, the honor of, of having uh, Rick Miana as, as one of my uh, instructors and he's the director of coaching for, for New Jersey. And, um, and I think that's, and I think that was, a, that might've been the first time that I'd taken a course where, I saw somebody that, to a certain extent, like I related to, right? I, I saw somebody that spoke another language as well. I saw somebody that that it in and, and I think that's the hard part at times from a from a Hispanic standpoint. And and I think Dwayne and, and I've talked about this before. Um, you know, it's in, it, and, and there's no no there's no disrespect for to to European coaches, right? Or 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 British coaches or Scottish like nothing. And I think. And the, you know, obviously I've I've heard fantastic things from the UEFA courses and the the Scottish FA courses and things like that. But I think at times that that's the hard part is is there hasn't been, and I feel like there is more now. And you brought this up, and and even listening to um to some of the other people you've interviewed, you know, like Luis Swisher, who I did my national youth license with as well. Um now that there are more more Hispanic people leading some of these courses and being instructors and I think I think it starts to level a little bit the playing field, you know, for for everybody. I think it it starts because now it it tells me that there's value in me progressing in my coaching education and it tells other people that hopefully there's value in progressing in their coaching education. Not only that is can you not only go through the coaching education part like as you said right, can you become an instructor and help the next the next uh generation? Um what what has been uh, what's been one of the uh what's been one of the the highlights of of this month for you of being able to lead all these, uh, all these webinars and all these podcasts that you've been doing so far.
2: I, I think for me, the highlight has been almost like the off the off camera conversations where, um, you know, you drive, you, you, dive into real personal, you know, stories and some of those, um, situations and, and they're all not all negative. Like they're not negative. They're all like, like, it's not like we sit around and we're like negative and talk smack about everybody, <laughs> you, you, you know, um, we talk about different situations that have come up and different, um, almost like um, ways where we've overcome situations. And and it may not be a situation that's like a situation that's happening on the field or in a course. It may just be in our minds, right? Where we have some of these limiting beliefs that were, that you know, at least for me at first, I, you know, uh, when I first took my e-license long, you know, in like 20, 2009 or something, 2008, I failed it. I failed my E, but that's because I went in there thinking like, uh, that I knew everything. Right? And that was, and that was the truth. Like I felt like I felt going into that class, looking at the demographic that was in there. And I was like, what did, what do they know that, that I can't possibly know. Right. right. And what it was, it was just basically just that, that arrogance and a uh, small mindedness that I, that I went into it with. Right. And then, and then the funny part was like, the instructor was like, uh, yeah, you know, can we, can we have, you know, uh, can we have somebody demo? Right. Well, I wasn't even fit and here I am trying to demo stuff. (laughs) So, so, so like, so obviously so I didn't pass that course. I retook it. Right. And, and, and obviously moved on, but, but the second time it wasn't that I was a better not necessarily that I was a better coach, but I was just. That understanding of being open minded and receiving that information is, is super helpful, and like the, and and that's what these conversations sometimes are about with, with these guys and um and the ladies that that have been on on um with you know United Soccer Coaches um, Hispanic History Month, where a lot of times it, it's just being open to receiving that information without knowing you're receiving that information. So, um, yeah, you know, just being able to connect with these people, um, all over the place and seeing how giving they are as well. Like, um, a lot of times it's like a cold call and you're just reaching out and you're like, okay, I'm hoping they respond. Um, and and like, not one of them was like, no, or, you know, or a diva about it. They were all like very, you know, on board willing to spread the message. So that's, that's been the highlight. And I think,
0: and it's, and ultimately like the idea of being humble is, is is key. Right. And and I think I took my, I took my e-license um, when I was 18 years old and I was going to go coach my sister's U6 rec team. And I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, it doesn't matter that I've been playing for, for a long time. It doesn't matter that I'm a referee that like, I need to ultimately find a way to, I felt like for me personally, I needed to educate myself on how to actually properly coach kids. Now, I don't think there's any, even the national youth license for as great as a course as it is. It doesn't fully really prepare you to coach six year olds. Uh I think I think coaching six year olds is one of those things that you're either born to do it or you're born not to do it. Uh and it takes a lot of guts and it takes a lot of experience. So there's a lot of there's a lot of respect that coaches that coach six year olds have uh in my book. But but so when I when I took this course, I took the course in Miami. Um like dead like downtown miami kind of thing uh so uh there was definitely a couple guys in in the course that i was in that i have to and i think at the time if i'm not mistaken the 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 e-course um the test because you had to actually do a test for it at the time um they had a spanish version of the test as well um but i don't know if we didn't have it or something whatever happened that there was a couple guys that i had to like actually like help translate the court the the test to right i was I had to help them with that part of it. And, but I, I think there is that part of it. Like, I felt like there was there was a little bit of a humbling of like, when you walk in there, it's, it's easy to say, oh, the, the other people that are in the course are like, there's no way they know more than I do. Right. Like, all, all I do is watch soccer and I, and I, <laughs> and, and I analyze soccer and I sit in a room with other people and analyze soccer. So I absolutely know how to, you know, if I, if I'm asked to do a goalkeeper session, <laughs> I got it. Uh, (laughs) um, but i think but i think the other part of it is is you know when you now that and i think from a from a barrier standpoint and i've lived in in a couple different states um and when i lived in tennessee it it never really hit me until until i experienced it where where i i was coaching a group of kids um and one of them turns around and we're playing a team and and they're like oh they're in one of the kids turn around and they're like, oh, they're all over there speaking Mexican.
2: Hmm.
0: It never really hit me until until then. Mostly because it, it, I I don't have a very thick accent, um. So for me, it's if I don't fully at times disclose the fact that I speak Spanish, I can sometimes just kind of skate by without anybody knowing about it. And I think at the time, that's kind of what it was. The, the team I was coaching never really knew that I was Argentinian, that I spoke Spanish. And then when that happened, it it like it really threw me off because and it was one of the first times where where I was like, all right, well, I have a choice. Right? I can either let it go and allow somewhat of the ignorance to keep going, or I can say something and I can I can use my platform for for something different. And I and and I did. And I said, listen, like what are you talking about? Like you, you mean they're speaking Spanish. Right. Well it's the same thing. I said, nope. Not, not the same thing. <laughs> and, and, you know, and because in the culture that I, that I was living in, in Tennessee, um, if you saw a group of Hispanic players, you automatically assume they were Mexican for whatever reason. Um, And, and, and at times that bias is there. And it, I think it's our job, especially from, from the standpoint that we have, um, and it's not easy because to a certain extent, you put yourself at times um, in a position where you can be looked at differently. Right. Um, and, I, and I've struggled with that. Have, have you had that happen before? Have you had some like what are the if you if you feel like you want to share, what are some of the things and, and how do you use your platform in, the, in your community to to kind of help uh, the Hispanic community from that standpoint?
2: So so the first thing I would say is that I, I never, I never, I can truly say that in any of the courses that I've taken, I've never had an experience like that, right? Um, what I can say is I actually didn't even know I had an accent until I recorded my first session in my, uh, I guess it would be my C, li- no, my B license, because my C didn't require it. So my B license, I had to record myself during the sessions that's when I found out I had an accent. I, I, I seriously did not know I had an accent. Right. Uh, but no, I think I think from, from that perspective, every course, whether it's U.S. soccer or United soccer coaches, um, I've ne- I, first of all, I've always I've always if I would say for the most part, there's always been another Hispanic or Latino. So it's either me and somebody else or me or two other people. I mean, I, I don't I may have, but I don't think I've been like the only one. Um, yeah, granted, I've taken most of my courses from 2010 upward. Right. Um, now, as far as what I do here in the, you know, in my local community with Latinos is, uh, what I try to do is, is I, I, first of all, like give opportunities, right. Create those opportunities to have, um, engagement, you know, in almost like informal engagements have pickup games, um, have accessibility to fields, right. Um, since I do have some, you know, um, some of that, some of those opportunities that I, I now have, right. To be able to access fields and book them and stuff like that. That's the first thing that I do. Like I try to open that up in order for them to, um, have access to fields. Cause if you don't have fields and you, you don't have a game. Um, and I think that's the, one of the first, um, uh, barriers that we have to cross is, you know, and that's not a Latino thing. That's just an everybody thing. Yeah. And then um, the other part is um, the mentorship. Like, um, you know, I put myself in a position where they know they have a, a mentor in me and I can help them out, right? Um, and a lot of it is not giving them answers. It's a lot of it is just guiding them through almost to, through their day-to-day stuff and trying to solve, um, you know, put put out fires and, and help them through their through their own circumstances. I mean, a lot of times, um, you know, I had players on teams where they can't get rides, right? They can't get a ride to work because mom and dad aren't available. Okay. So how do I coordinate that with somebody else on the team? Right. And, um, and, and those are the kind of things that now allow more people to, to be able to see like, Oh, look at coach art. Right. And, and it's not like, look at coach art. I look up to him, but it's like, well, this guy could do it. Anybody could do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, you know, um, I can be a leader. I can coordinate this. I can be a coach. Right. Um, you know, and that's actually something that I take very seriously. Like when they're, when I, I, I actually have, um, multiple people who young people, you know, uh, 15, 16, 17, who come help, um, on different play days and, um, and the different trainings that I do, like, I don't refer to them as player X or player that I can refer to them as coaches. Yes. Especially the female ones especially the female um, coaches that that come out and help me because I think that when I started to do that, they are now seeing themselves in a different light and now they're seeing them. Now they're like, Oh, like, okay, now I'm in a leadership position. I need to act a little differently. Um, So we can, so if if I started to do that a couple of years ago and I can see the huge difference and like now these individuals wanting to actually become coaches somewhere down the road or, reach out to me and continue wanting to coach so um and that to me just grows the pool of people who who are going to be invested in the sport and
0: it's and 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 i think we saw it and duane and i talked about this uh a few weeks ago when the u.s women's national team played paraguay and and obviously it was a somewhat lopsided game uh or both games were, were somewhat lopsided but but at the same time uh the Paraguay women's national team. The reason one of, one of the reasons why they they accepted the game and wanted to play against the U.S. was because this brought attention to the game in Paraguay, right? This this brought attention to the fact that listen, we're going to be playing one of the top, if not the top, women's team in the entire world, um, and they're going to beat us. Like that's just what's potentially going to happen <laughs> because they they have, but they're but because they're um, because the their organization, their foundation, their their entire process is so different and so and they have so many more resources than than women's soccer does in paraguay for example um and i've seen it with i've seen it with a couple of different leagues and you know obviously um marta uh in the last world cup talked about that and talked about she made a big statement after after brazil was knocked out about the fact that brazil needed to spend more more resources in their women's and with their women's league and their and to develop players um and i think and i think you know, part of part of it is a is a cultural thing, right? I uh, we talked about this in the podcast once. The first first time Argentina, the Argentinian women's national team, uh, went to what was bef- like not an, a not a sanctioned women's World Cup, but um, Argentina went. There, a, there were six teams, and Argentina beat beat England for for the first time ever. And uh, the players traveled with zero equipment. Um, they had never worn cleats before until they got, I think that they played in Mexico and somebody get, got them cleats because they didn't have cleats. They went without a coach because their coach couldn't travel or something like that. So, so the, the, obviously we've come a long way in the, in the world, but I think there's obviously there's, there's more that needs to be done. But from a, I think from a, and you, and you brought up um, female coaches, I think from a, from a women's soccer perspective, there's so much more that can be done in the Hispanic community because it's, because it is a little bit far behind at, at times, you know, and, and you can see it when when you look at the U.S. Women's National Team and you see the progress they've made because of the resources and the the financial backing that at times it's had. And obviously, it's, it's got its own issues and its own things that they're sorting out. Um, so one of the last questions. Um, where do you think you know where with the with the development that we've that we've gone uh for the for the you know that that we've seen for the, through for the Hispanic community and from a coaching education perspective now that we have uh Hispanic coaches that are leaders uh that are that are in charge of state associations that that are that are that have the ability to make decisions right decision makers in in the right places do you think we're close to potentially at some point in our future seeing a uh not that Greg is doing a bad job Uh, But do you think we're close to seeing a a Hispanic uh, national team coach?
2: You know, I think, I think it's, um, I don't think it's a question of ability, right? I think it's a question of opportunity and not only opportunity to, to manage the, the the national team, but opportunity to be in that environment. Um, I, I, you know, I think the wonderful thing that I run into, you know, has been that, A lot of these coaches, the Anthony Flores, the Luis Swisher, even the Eloisa Borreguero and, you know, the Cynthia (coughs) Cervantes, they're young coaches who have really high aspirations. And not only do they have high aspirations, they have a process. So they now know what those steps are to get to where they're getting to. So... um, Again, if they go through the process, if they, you know, uh, get themselves into the right environment, and and I'm not saying these four exclusively, but if, if, you know, anybody can do it, right? It's just a matter now if once we get to a certain point, um, you know, are they going, are they willing to give that person an opportunity? I can go a little deeper into possibly why those things don't happen. Um, but I think we're past a lot of those excuses, right. And we're past a lot of those reasons. Um, we just have to continue to put in the work and put in, um, and meaningful work. Right. I mean, that doesn't mean grind, you know, grind, you know, grind every day. That's not what it means. It means, uh, being purposeful with your time. Um, you know, there's a wonderful coach out in Canada. Um, her name escapes me right now, but she talks about, like the four or five pillars in life, not in coaching, in life, right? Where she talks about, um, her family values, her work values, her work environment, and it's, and it's, and it's all encompassing and that's super important if you want to get to that level. Um, so yeah, there's, you know, are, are we close? I, I think we are. I don't think that it's for lack of knowledge. I think it's just for lack of opportunities. Um, but, but we are absolutely getting there like Tab Ramos. Like, yeah, I mean, he's there. I mean, right? Um, you know, um, and again, now it's a matter of does he want that opportunity? He may not want to, he may be very, very happy in, in Houston and you know, um, and doing his work there. Um, but um, there's certainly a lot of coaches who are um able and capable to to run the national team um that are Latino or Latina.
0: And I think that's the that's such a huge point. I mean, obviously, we've seen the we've seen the the success that American coaches have had, uh, not only locally but internationally, right? You you look at you look at what Jesse Marsh has done, and 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 the other coaches that like like Jesse Marsh. But I think we're I think you know I, I know that um, when Tata Martino was here in uh, in Atlanta, and then he took the Mexico job, and you know everybody was hopeful that he would take the U.S. job, and and things like that, which yes would it be cool it'd be it'd be awesome right from an argentinian pride perspective I'm, I'm i'm all for it but at the same time i do think that like because this country is so culturally diverse um the the hopefully the opportunity for for uh for coaches from different cultures and different backgrounds to potentially have those be, be given those opportunities I th- like i think you're right though it has nothing to do with with ability it's definitely all about opportunity um all right. Uh, last question, Art. Um, we 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 haven't we have. I feel I feel like we actually haven't asked the, this question in a while uh, to our guests. But um, three favorite three favorite soccer players of all time.
2: Ooh, three favorite soccer players of all time. All right. Ah, uh, wow. Okay. So I would say the first one would be Sergio Goycochea.
0: Oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I was interviewed by him see he didn't even know I was going to go there, huh i I was interviewed by him. he he did an interview with uh what was it last year doing? I was yeah, it was interviewed by him last year. Nice. Yeah. no
2: so um obviously remembering that that devastating loss I believe was in 90 against Germany or something yeah mm-hmm. and uh, so the next day in the paper you could see his 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 the glove was touching the ball. Mm-hmm. He, just, he just there's nothing you could do. Yeah. but anyway, so he would so he would be one. Um my second one would probably be Mia Hamm. Mia Hamm I think in the 90s um obviously when I was growing up and stuff she was really huge with Michael Jordan doing the Gatorade stuff and I think for me someone having someone like her um like it didn't matter that she was female like like if she was just a soccer player you know what I mean like that, and that that to me was the coolest thing that um that I could remember and obviously winning the world cup and, and all that good stuff. But, um, and then if I bring it to a little bit more, um, recent, Oh boy, I would have to go with, um, I would have to go with Chucky Lozano. He scores against Germany, huge goal. Um, you know, obviously, you know, struggling in Europe off and on. Um, but I think, again, someone like him was just so young and it was given the reins and he just took the bull by the horns. Um, so, no, th- those would be the the three. Pla- and, and again, right, I could probably do a list of 20 players. But, yeah, um, Sergio Goygochea, Mia Hamm and uh, Chuki Lozano.
0: Nice. Awesome. Well, Coach Art, uh, we thank you so much for coming on today. Best of luck the the rest the rest of the season at, uh, at Lower Marion. Uh, make sure you go follow coach art on, uh, on, on Instagram. He's, he's big on social media. He's, uh, he's doing some videos from the fields. Uh, so make sure you go follow coach art
2: on Instagram. What is it? It's at, it's at coach art, right? It's at coach art 22. There you go. And, um, the other thing I just want to make sure I plug this in is go to the convention, um, you know, go to the convention, make sure you, you, um, you show up, you know, with, with an open mind and, try to take in as many things as you can. I know that it's hard because there's so many things at the same going on at the same time. Um, But, you know, uh, there's a networking, there's a soccer culture um, there's different environments you can put yourself in that. Like uh, for me, I know has helped me grow. Like, I think this process would have taken 20, 30 years with the, with the United soccer coaches. It's it's probably taken me a lot less. So yeah, definitely go.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And check out uh, the Latino coaches podcast. Yep. Uh, the coach art co- uh, host uh, and uh, go to the United soccer coaches, YouTube, where all the interviews.
2: <laughs> One more thing. I go have for it. <laughs> go for it. United goalkeeping Alliance. There Please you go. Check us out. United goalkeeping Alliance. Uh, we have an online educational platform with Eric Eisenhunt, Mac and Mark, um, you know, working, working behind the scenes with myself. And that's actually another project. I'm very, very proud of, again, going back to your point of the goalkeeping piece where yeah. we, um, there's very limited time and education sometimes. So um, we're able to bring that um, via, you know, uh, Zoom meetings. So uh, we have a lot of young, young goalkeepers that um, are showing up and um, we have like over a hundred like uh, goalkeeper coaches worldwide. So um, awesome. Yeah. Check us out. Thank you.
0: Fantastic. Awesome. Great. Thanks so much, coach. Thank you. All right, Duane, uh U.S. men's national team. Uh you know 6 6 out of 6 out of 9
1: That's what I think that's what we said right you want to get 6 or 7 We said 7 We said 7 We said 7 But I
0: mean you're yeah. still you're you're still there obviously there's starting to be a little bit more separation which kind of helps you um you know USA right now sitting in sitting in second place uh with 11 points um Mexico sitting on top of 14 But you're still there, right? You haven't. You're not out. You're you're still there. You're competing. You're ahead of everybody. You're ahead of everybody except for Mexico. And uh, you know you pull out a good comeback against Costa Rica uh, after going down one nothing a minute and a half into the game. So uh, good result overall.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean you you don't expect to go into Panama and get three points. It's always a tough you know, environment to go down into, but yeah, you bounce back, you rotate the squad, you know, he rotated a lot of guys in these games. So to get the the victory against uh, Costa Rica is good. And and again, getting victories and rotating the squad, it's very tough to do. So shout out to Greg Berhalter, because you rotate the squad and lose. Everybody's going to say, why are you rotating the squad? But then the other side of it is guys get hurt or guys can't travel for whatever reason and guys have to step up, but they haven't played. And then we lose. You say, well, we didn't rotate the squad enough. So he's, he's managing both sides.
0: Yeah. No, overall. I mean, I think it was a, uh, it's good, good, good FIFA, good qualifier window. Um, You know, you know, who's, who's up to 25 now, 25 in a row. Algeria (laughs) get out of here with Algeria uh I mean maybe Algeria but Argentina won nothing against Peru last night uh so Argentina right now sitting in second place 25 points uh Brazil with another win holy moly they've won they've won 10 out of 11 only had one draw 31 points I think they're pretty much guaranteed to make it in at this point or they're they're very close to it um so it we're it's getting there. It's getting there, and it's interesting. The two outliers are Brazil and Argentina. They're both farther ahead than everybody else. And then, you know, from third place down, and they have center, a game to play, and they have a game to play from third place to to ninth place, right? So from third to second to last, because there's only there's only ten there's only ten teams in in the inc- incum- uh, It's only a six goal, a six point difference. So Ecuador sitting in third place with uh, 17 points and Peru sitting in uh, ninth place with 11 points. So there's only there's really only a that that difference is only there. So it's only six points. And then, you know, everybody else kind of separated by two or three points or four points. So um, I think it's a big the next one, the next uh, I forget exactly when the next set of matches are. They're supposed to be in November. um, So the November 11th and 16th weekend. It's only a two, only two games this time around, not, not four or not three. So, um, so we'll a little see normalcy. yeah, a little normalcy there. So, so we'll see what happens. Um, and then I don't think we got to talk about it, but the nations league final happened. Yeah. It was like Monday, right? Uh, Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Um, so to me, it's the big story is not the fact that, uh, France beat, um, France beat Spain, right? That's a that's yeah, it happened great, fantastic. The big story to me is uh, Timo Courtois after the Belgium Italy game. So, Belgium played Italy for the third place match, and Courtois comes out at the end of the game because he had already said before the game the fact that the third place was nonsense, third place game was nonsense. Comes out obviously after they lost comes out and said this is another reason why UEFA is just trying to fill their pockets. Um, ultimately, they don't care about the players. They're really just in it for the money. Uh, you can see it considering that the coaches, neither coach put their best squad out there. They just put you know the players that normally, if it was his final, they wouldn't have played. Uh, no one cares about the players. So I, I think it's interesting. I think obviously there's a little bit of a give and take from both sides of it. Um, I think there's a little bit, there's some truth to what he says, uh, but ultimately, this is, you know, this is your job. This is what you've chosen to do. So if you don't want I mean, to, work, I guess you don't make want to the money.
1: And then also, yeah, it's a good game for squad rotation.
0: Yeah. I mean, I agree that, like, you shouldn't burn players out. But at the same time, you're, again, you choose to potentially represent your, your national team. You don't, no one, it's, you're not obligated to do it. You can decline and stay home, right? Um, yeah. So it's it definitely interesting. Um, all right, uh, Dwayne, player of the match. Uh,
1: I have a few players in the match this week. Uh, my cool. first one's going to go to Kyle Graves. Uh, Kyle Graves is my player of the match because uh, he talks too long at the end of practice and players either show up to my training sessions late or get picked up late. So shout out to Kyle Graves. Wait, uh, what? Oh, because you have siblings. I have siblings on both of his teams. So Monday, a parent was 15 minutes late to pick up her child. Mm-hmm. And I said, joking with her, was it because of Coach Kyle? She says, yes. And then yesterday, a player was 15 minutes late to training. And I said, was it because of Coach Kyle? And he said, yes. So shout out <laughs> to Coach Kyle. My second player of the match goes out to uh, um, the Pablo Escobar from Colombia. Um, I read an article yesterday that when he went to prison, he built his own prison, built his own soccer field in the prison, and then had players like Diego Maradona and what's the guy that used to do the scorpion save, Rene Igita, Igita, like play high profile players come in and play games in front of him at his own prison by the side. So we're highlighting that. <laughs> We're definitely highlighting that because even though there's some corruption involved, some, that's pretty cool. Some. <laughs> players of the match. Iconic figures in football. All
0: right. Anybody?
1: Else? Kyle, Kyle's an iconic figure. <laughs>
0: the fact that we're putting Kyle and Pablo Escobar in the same, uh, the same award is pretty interesting to me.
1: <laughs> I don't know, but I'm going to start fighting players if they're late um they can can recoup it from kyle Um,
0: uh my my player of the match goes out to the 2013 girls uh for just being a really really fun and awesome group uh and to the entire all the parents as well they um and you know they were they've been super super awesome through this entire season so far um so big shout out to them and everything they've done so far and i'm looking forward to what that team will do in in the future with natalie um. All right. On this day in history, October fifteenth, eighteen eighty-seven. We're going yeah. back a while. We are going back a while. Eighteen eighty-seven. FA Cup, eighteen eighty-seven. Uh, Preston North End is playing against Hyde Park, or Hyde. Sorry, Hyde United. Okay, Hyde United. Um, you want to take a guess at what the score was?
1: Well, it wasn't what was the score last week? It wasn't 149 to nothing.
0: It was 149 to nothing. No, but the score was 26 to nothing in the first round of the uh of the FA Cup. Um, so you know, it was the top score in the FA Cup, but also the in a in a senior match in England. Um, you know, Preston, Preston North End at that point was was one of the one of the biggest, biggest clubs or biggest teams. Um they, uh, they, they, they ended up playing eight matches that year, um, in the FA Cup, uh, and they went into the final, um, and they were so confident they were gonna win, uh, that they took a picture with the FA Cup before the actual match, and the referee told them not to, you know, not to, um, get ahead you know, of yourself. Yeah, not to get ahead of yourself. You gotta win it first, right? Uh, so they ended up losing two to one um
1: to so West Brom referee th- the referee through the game
0: West Brom and on West Brom beat winning the FA Cup in 1887 uh so Probably or 1888 at that point uh but yeah so uh Preston North End it doesn't matter if you beat a team 26 nothing you still got to win the cup at the end of it right you can't just
1: That's right man All
0: right uh fair play of the week uh my fair play of the week this week goes out to coach Chad uh uh because um I was dealing with some stuff this week and coach Chad was super helpful and and, and super understanding of things. So uh coach Chad gets my uh, my fair play of the week.
1: I'll chat for. Yeah. <laughs> Chad fur.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Chad fur. All right, your uh your fair play of the week, doing
1: uh my fair play of the week, I'm gonna give it out to the defer coaching staff. You know, they're you know, both matches I played, the coaches were relatively uh friendly, you know, went to strike up a conversation, you know. Wanted to kind of build a relationship. So I got to chance to talk to both coaches uh after both of my games that I played against stepford And um, uh, you know, one of the coaches introduced me to the tournament director, and you know, maybe getting some discovery uh kids into the tournament in the spring, you know, maybe adding that as part of the uh uh pathway for that group. So introducing him to me and then you know, getting to talk a little bit about their uh and they call it the mini mites division.
0: i try it, mini mites
1: you you seven and you six soccer
0: <laughs> all right awesome yeah no it was really a good tournament and we had, we had a ton of fun so uh um all right make sure you follow us on social media this week uh like and subscribe to the podcast anywhere you're listening to um make sure you go out and vote uh we'll figure out i think we'll just do it by comments is that is that is that a good way to do the voting we'll just do it by comments
1: uh on facebook can't you do a poll
0: yeah, we can either that or we can do comments or something like that. We'll find a way to vote once once you're on social media, once you're on our social media and you see our, We're our Google video. form. Uh, No, no, that's a lot. It's a lot. This is let's just keep it. Simple.
1: We'll figure out a way.
0: Yeah. Facebook.com slash Delaware Union on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer. We'll figure out a way uh, to make sure you go out and vote for the goal of the week and the save
1: of the week. Exercise um, you your democratic right to vote.
0: That's right. We are looking to give out some prizes, and uh, we need we need your help. All right. Thanks for joining us this week, and remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.